This is Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I'm Scott Bertram. We're joined by State Senator Joe Bellino, 16th District Senator here in the state of Michigan, representing the Hillsdale area, part of it, and areas out to the east. Senator, thanks so much for joining us here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Well, thanks for helping. Thanks for calling. I'm glad to be here. I have a number of things to discuss in our time together this week. I wanted to start, though, by asking uh, you about uh, the Mackinac Public Policy Conference, which took, just took place recently. Uh, did you attend and any particular takeaways you had from your time at Mackinac? Yeah, I, I attended on Thursday. I left the house at 5 in the morning. And I got there, uh, and I had meetings at 11, 11 all the way through 3.30. And then I got on the 4 o'clock boat and got home by 9.15. So it was a quick day, a lot of driving. But I met with the uh, CEO of Vocker. They wanted to expand. We talked about some opportunities there in Adrian. I met, and I had a personal meeting. With, this was the cool one, why I went up there, with Bill Ford Jr. Hmm. And I grilled him on the plant in Marshall. And he assured me, yes, there will be a few Chinese engineers there. But this is Ford's first opportunity to take Chinese technology, bring it to America, bring it to Michigan, in fact, tear it apart and own it. Because they've been doing that to our, our, our tech for years. Mm-hmm. And this could be the first time we're going to do that to that. And it's a new technology and a battery. He's very, very um, positive about what could happen there. But he also told me, and this is really uh, good to hear, they're not abandoning the ICE engine, the gasoline engine. They know that, yeah, some states are going to be along with a lot more electrical vehicles in Michigan, a lot farther ahead of us, like California and other areas. But we're going to sell gas vehicles here for 20, 25, 30 more years. He knows that. And so they're going to be heavy in the gas for a long time, unlike maybe GM, which has said they're going to be all electric in 12 years. Right. Um, we, had a good, we had a good conversation on hands-free driving and uh, not touching a steering wheel while you're driving. And, and if you remember 10, 12 years ago, Everybody said, oh, by, by 2025, everything's going to be hands-free. Well, Ford knew it was BS. They didn't jump on it. They got killed by the press for not jumping on it, but they knew it wasn't there. And it's not here. They were, they were right on that. So it was good to sit with Bill, talk about the history of the company, where they're going, what the future lies, and, 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 and dispel the rumors that, that Marshall's going to be manned by you know, 2,000 uh, spies from China and going to ruin America, and that, that's all false. So it was a great meeting. And I also met with Meyer. Meyer has a big distribution warehouse in my county. They want to add on to it, and they have some plans. So we went over that and talked about how to approach the township. And they already had two meetings with the township since, and it looks like a go. So they were good, productive meetings. I don't really like this conference. It tends to be a little more liberal than I like. Um, you know, when the governor's high-fiving everybody, uh, that doesn't that doesn't thrill me at all. But it does thrill a lot of people from southeast Michigan, north of me, Detroit and stuff, and Wayne County. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I got my meetings done. I got in the, 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 tri- the, the boat, and I came home. Something that happened uh, perhaps while you were not there, but the focus is it was on uh, Michigan's population and addressing Michigan's population uh, loss or increasing its population uh, increase in, in, in coming years. Um, you know, I, I hear this discussion about this, and I just have to wonder, I'm, sh- I'm sure no one has brought it up to her uh, uh, specifically, but I, you look back at the numbers, Senator, over the past 25 years or so, and it can go back farther than that, but the past 25 years or so, it's been about 25,000 abortions a year in the state of Michigan. You multiply it out, that 625,000 people is Governor Whitmer's strategy of making uh, Michigan the abortion capital of the country perhaps conductive 
conducive to, to grow, growing our population? Well, it's, it's ironic that you would bring it up because I thought the stats were closer to 30,000 in the last 30 years, which is 900,000 people, and some of those would be having more and more children since then, mm-hmm. and that would give us about a million more people. So the governor, the governor A, is off a rocker with, with what she thinks about growing the population and with her extreme abortion views, and B, she's off a rocker when she says she wants to grow the population, but we're going to have a right to work, so you got to join that union and that's not going to foster business growth and foster multinationals coming to Michigan and, and expanding their operations here. I don't know where she's getting her her, her information from, where we, she can grow the grow the population, grow the economy with right to work, with abortion, with a lot of the extreme measures that the departments are putting on people when they want to build. Um, example: Ann Arbor. Soon they're going to ban natural natural gas hookups for all new builds. Now. It's ironic that this happens a year after the mayor put a gas line in his backyard for his backyard backyard fire pit. Mm-hmm. You know that that's got nothing to do with what they want to do here. But you want to you want to foster growth. You don't have policies like that. But the governor keeps taking these extreme views and pushing them down our throat. But one good thing about this is that Senator Jonathan Lindsay, a good friend of mine who I respect immensely, is on this growth population growth committee. So. I'm anxious to hear from Jonathan when they have their first couple of meetings on, on what their plans are. I think I'll probably laugh at him like he will. I think he will stand up and tell the governor's people what he thinks about their views, which would be good for us. And I just can't wait for that to happen. State Senator Joe Bellino with us here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. Uh, you, you mentioned the unions and uh, the governor's policy toward unions. A bill recently passed in the state Senate, and I read from a story from the Detroit News, uh, would require public employers like state agencies and schools to provide personal contact information of workers to labor unions who represent them in negotiations. It would include a home address, a personal telephone number, personal email address, and employee identification number updated every 90 days. The Democratic-controlled Senate voting to allow unions to have a whole lot of personal information of workers all across the state. Well, I can't wait for the lawsuit to start, start flying on this. The reason they are doing this for public employees is that federal, the federal lawsuit from a few years ago, Janice versus somebody, some mm-hmm. union, yeah. um, said that public employees do not have to join a union. It's ironic that they do this only for public unions, not for private unions. And they're doing this only so they can harass people into paying dues, harass people into doing what they want to do, coerce them into thinking and doing things the way they want to do it. And and even, you know, we, we tried to have some amendments saying that if the union boss had, had assaulted somebody uh, physically, sexually, uh, verbally, that they don't have to give it. No, no, that was the, the Democrats said, no, 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 they need to have that. I mean, we've had some union bosses in the last year credibly accused of sexual assault. And we're going to give them my wife's personal information, my wife, a retired teacher. We're going to give that to them. That's bullcrap. You know it. I know it. The people of Michigan know it. So I think this is going to be turned over on the first lawsuit that happens, because if they think it's going to pass the, 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 the muster of, of the courts, why wouldn't they bring the private unions in it, mm-hmm. into it? Why? Because now with passing of the, the changing of right to work, they're going to have that information anyway. They're not going to have to worry about it. So it's complete, utter BS. The governor wants to grow the population, grow the economy. But by the way, 
I need your personal information every 90 days in case you move on me or get a new phone so I can harass you for not paying your union dues. Not the way to grow a state, not the way at all. Yeah, you, you mentioned harassment, and you certainly can picture how unions could use this information to, you know, not spam, well, partially spam, but with phone calls, with, with mailings to the House saying, pay your dues, pay your dues, pay your dues. Are there any limitations in the bill as written as to how unions can use this personal contact information? No limitations at all. Social media, harassment, giving it to the members that, that they like to harass the members that they're, they're mad at. This is, it, I think it's unconstitutional, and it, it's unconscionable that they would want to do this. But think about it. If you saw any videos of the right-to-work debate 10 years ago, they tore the place up. They, 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 they're still bullies. They still like to push themselves around and get their way, and that's how they've done it for years. Now, there are a couple, couple union guys, a lobbyist in Lansing, that want to work with Republicans, they want to get Line 5 built and things like this. But when it comes down to it, the brass tacks, they're still thugs. That's all you can say. Senator, the House and the Senate in Michigan this week also working on election changes, voting changes in the state. Most of what's being discussed and most of what will be voted on, is that simply acting on some of those provisions approved in the in the proposition from, from 2022? Yes, they are acting on it, but they're going a little bit too far. I encourage everyone to find Ruth Johnson on social media and watch her speech from the other day in committee. It was wonderful. She was a clerk for a long time. She was a secretary, our secretary of state for a long time. She knows the election laws in and out. And that Jocelyn is going a little bit too far on the law. She's taking some liberty in the way things are written in the law. And that's why it was written that way, to push her agenda down our throats, and to do things the way she wants it done. And it's incredible. The, uh, the Secretary of State right now has over 150,000 people on file to get absentee ballot applications. These people haven't voted in 10 years plus, 10 years or more, but she's going to keep mailing absentee ballots to people that haven't voted, and all that does is lead to more and more fraud. Yes, she'll catch a couple voters that haven't voted. I don't know how she's going to catch them, but she'll, she'll catch a few. But we know that they take these ballots and they, they fake signatures and people vote with them. We know that. I mean, there was a, commi- a commission 30 years ago, plus a federal commission put together by both parties. And Jimmy Carter was involved in it and Republicans and, and, every, and a lot of people were involved in it. And they said the number one problem, the number one cause of fraud in voting in America today is absentee ballots. You should get rid of them. But no, this administration wants to go completely the other way. So we as Republicans have to up our game. We have to change the way we do FC ballot chases. So I'm going to start telling my people next election, I want you to vote with an FC ballot early so I know you voted, so I can market to the people that haven't voted yet. I can send mailers. I can do phone calls. I can do lots of various social media things aimed at people that haven't voted yet. That's what the Dems do. That's what we should do. They call it harvesting. I'm going to call it legally just get your vote in let us know you voted so that we can work on all the other people that haven't voted yet the dems do that very very well mm-hmm. we've got to start doing that senator can you walk us through just a little bit about this process because voters went to the polls in 2022 and approved approved prop two which which included all these voting changes at least nine days of early voting and drop boxes in every municipality yep. so what is the role of the legislature at this point to act on what the voters approved can they go 
uh, further? Could they say, no, we want 19 days of early voting in this law we're going to pass? What is the responsibility of the legislature now to carry out what the voters approved in 2022? Well, if they want to change any substance, nature substance of this bill that was passed, and I didn't vote on it, I voted no on it, um, it's got to be three-quarter vote in the legislature. Uh, kind of like I want to, I would like to raise the tax on marijuana. I think the 10% is way too low. We're the lowest in the nation by far. Nobody's anywhere near us. But that would take three-quarter vote of the legislature to get that done. So it's probably a mute point. Same thing with these voting laws. If the Dems want to do something more egregious, they'll never get our votes. But if we want to do something to tamper it down to make it safer, we'll never get their votes either. So it takes three-quarter vote to change this, or you go back to the ballot and, and you change the whole process again. Um, what I'd like to see done is that we have these, these, these ballot proposals and we banned, we banned outside money from coming in and marketing them. Marijuana, three quarters of the money from, was from the outside. The voting proposition, yes, it was started with local money, but three quarters of the money after that came from California and New York. So I would like to ban the outside money, ban the dark money from passing these things. And that's what's happened. So we will make tweaks. Uh, I, I follow Senator Johnson's lead. A lot of us do. She's very bright in these aspects. But the Dems don't like Senator Johnson's thoughts on how to change it a proper way. Mm-hmm. So we'll have a hard time changing that. Yep. Have a tough time. State Senator Joe Bolino with us here on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. This is a topic, an issue that you don't have a role in uh, directly, Senator, but it's rolling through the courts, and, and now the Michigan Supreme Court is considering, I think there was a hearing just a few days before we're talking now, about requiring state courts and everyone involved in the state courts to use preferred pronouns when identifying parties or lawyers in a case. What do you know about this and, and how it would change how, how the courts operate? Well, I think it's complete rubbish. I, I don't understand. You know, I, I was corrected once a, a few weeks ago that I was told that she prefers to be called them. Well, I don't understand that at all. I mean, it looks like a lady. and She sounds like a lady. I'm going to call her Miss or Mrs. And then I'm told, no, she prefers to be called them. I don't understand it at all. I, I think it's it's crazy. But, you know, the, I, I, I believe the makeup of the Supreme Court, they're going to probably pass that. And uh, I really don't trust our Supreme Court. I mean, they, they caused a lot of consternation in my own county by saying that all the courts will be closed for Juneteenth. Well, what about all the other county employees? Now, they've got all upset because the court employees get the day off with pay. What about everybody else? So I don't trust this Supreme Court makeup right now. And basically, the makeup of the Supreme Court is our fault. When we had that big turnover four years ago, we didn't put a lot of money and time into our candidates. Uh, Justice Wilder from Ypsilanti, a wonderful man. I've known him for years. He was voted off the court, a very conservative man. Um, and, and it didn't matter to me or you that he was African-American. This court is extremely left-wing leaning, and I imagine they're probably going to pass this. Senator, are there there similar uh, rules when it comes to how you need to speak in the Michigan Senate, how you refer to uh, witnesses who are testifying in front of committees, uh, things like that? No, there isn't. You know, we're just respectful, called by the first name, or in my case, I just call them babe. That's something I've been saying for 40 years. (laughs) I call everybody babe because I can't remember names, and it's just a family thing I did. So just be respectful and be kind and generous and if we're kind to people, we can get things done. It's when we get 
this fighting and infighting and, and, and pinching and biting and, and slugging with baseball bats that we think we get nothing done. If we would just be kind Christian people, we could work a lot of these problems out. But one side of the aisle refuses to acknowledge that. Um, I had a, a senator who I like immensely, a nice lady. She got on Twitter two weeks ago and basically said the Catholic Church ran the biggest pedophile ring in the world and said a lot of things about Catholics that were bad. And I got on Twitter and basically called her a racist. And that's what she is, saying things like that. But, you know, she can get away with it. She's a Democrat. If I said something like that, oh, who knows? They would want to put me on the cross and burn me up. So it, it, it doesn't play the same way. They have one platform. They're, they're rude and obnoxious, and we try to be kind and gentle, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I'm not going to change the way I treat people. I, want, I treat people the way I want to be treated, with respect and kindness. So I don't care what the pronoun is. Hmm. I'm going to treat you kind with respect. Senator Bellino, you're working with State Representative Dale Zorn on some legislation uh, called Right to Repair for, for Michigan Farmers. And I, I, I'm not a farmer personally, so it strikes me as odd that you'd need a piece of legislation to say that farmers have the right to repair and fix their own equipment. What, what is standing in the way of that? Well, we had to do this with the car companies about 35 years ago. They didn't want to give any of their technology to any independents to fix cars. They wanted everybody to go to the dealerships. The problem was there weren't enough dealerships or workers even then to fix everybody's car. So they were sued, and they, and they turned it over, and they said, okay, you're right. We'll give you some of this technology. You could fix the car at an independent shop. Let's say it's Joe Bellino's repair shop. We would like the same thing to happen with farm implements and farm uh, tractors and, and combines and everything else. Right now, you got a John Deere? you got to go to John Deere to get it fixed. There's so much technology in it. It's incredible. It's hard to fix. If you ask for a piece of software to fix on your own, they tell you no. So that's where the impetus of this bill comes from, and we'll see what happens with it. What, what, what kind of feedback, support, uh, otherwise, are you hearing from other senators in, in your caucus? Well, I'm hearing a lot from farmers. They like it because a lot of farmers tend to get a lot of work done on very, a very short few pennies. They're 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 like they're all from they're all like Dutch. They're they're very <laughs> stringent with their money and repairs, and this is real good for America because they they feed us. Uh, so I'm hearing from them good stuff, but the uh, John Deere dealer, I'm hearing things that are bad. So they don't want it done. They want to keep the stuff coming to their place. So I think somewhere there'll be a middle road, and we'll we'll figure this out. State Senator Joe Bellino from the 16th District, representing Hillsdale and areas off to the east. This will be the last time we talk before Independence Day. So uh, I guess I want to ask, will we see you in the uh, in the Hillsdale Independence Day uh, parade? Oh, yes, you will. I was there last year. Yes. Uh, I've met a lot of good people. I'll be back this year. It's a great parade, and uh, I'll be celebrating the, the, the birth of a nation. Another anniversary would be great. Sounds wonderful. But, and more important, more important, sir, tomorrow is Alcoholics Anonymous' anniversary. In 1935, these two guys got together that, that couldn't stop drinking, and they started talking, and they realized working with each other helped the other person to stay sober. So tomorrow's a great anniversary. It's Alcoholics Anonymous' anniversary. I think it's number 87, I believe, 1935. So it's a big day in America tomorrow. Fantastic. 
State Senator Joe Bolino, 16th State Senate District. You can find him on Twitter and, of course, the website for any contact that you might need. Senator, thanks so much for joining us here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Thank you. Have a great day. More of our interviews and conversations via our website, RadioFreeHillsdale.com. Click on Student Shows and Features. And I'm Scott Bertram on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM.